for that. For those of you who don't know uh, who I am, my name is Brent Hall. I'm the lead pastor uh, here at Edinburgh. If you're a guest, so glad that you are with us here this morning. Those of you watching online, glad you're tuned in as well. Uh, Today we are wrapping up a three-part series on spiritual uh, warfare. Uh, Last week, I talked about our defense, okay? And we looked at the armor of God that teaches us how to protect ourselves from the darkness and the enemy who's trying to get into our lives, into our, into our minds, into our hearts, into our homes. Uh, we, the, the question I, I asked last week is, is there any, you know, gap in your armor? Is there anything going on in your life that you are letting in a lie, uh, some kind of, you know, something you're dabbling in, uh, something, maybe a negative thought. I don't know what it could be, but that you're letting in and it's, it's, it's giving the enemy power that can come into your, your life and even affect, we saw, saw our families um, if we're not careful. So we, what do we need to do? We need to make sure that our armor is secure, that we have our defenses up against the, the, the strategies of the enemy. But sometimes the enemy does get in. I mean, if we're just honest, sometimes we do uh, find ourselves like really being attacked and uh, the enemy getting through our armor. And so the question today is like, how do we push that back? Uh, we need to be pushing it back at all times, but how do we, we, we push it back? Uh, what is our weapon against this enemy when he comes uh, against us? And so many of you, by the way, have sent me emails, letters, uh, talking about how through this series you've seen some, some breakthroughs, some strongholds undone in your life. And what I want to just encourage you before we even get into this message today is just to know that that will happen, okay, but you have to keep this battle going. It, it's not a one-and-done thing. The enemy is constantly trying to, to come against us. And so we need to always be on guard, and we need to learn what this weapon is, this one weapon Paul's going to mention to help fight back against the enemy. Uh, when I started here as the lead pastor at Edinburgh Church, I was really, really young. Um, I had a lot to learn, still have a lot to learn, but back then I really <laughs> had a lot uh, to learn. Starting to preach every week, uh, overseeing a staff, starting to just oversee a staff. Not to mention we didn't have a staff of the size we have today, so I had more responsibilities, funerals, weddings, things like that. And, I, and there were just weeks where it would just get swamped with other things, and I wouldn't always have the time to put into the message uh, for, the, for the weekend. And I remember one Sunday, I got up here, it was one of those weeks, and it, it just, I just, I bombed, okay? It was just one of those messages. It was really, some messages bomb, but this one really bombed. I always know when it really bombs, because even my wife will avoid me right out in the hallways, okay? That's how, that's kind of a telltale sign. So that's kind of how I always know, but um, some of you have heard me talk about Pat Cross. She, she uh, was a big encourager, sweet lady, and uh, again, I'm feeling, I'm just, I can feel it. This message bombed, and I'm out there in the lobby, and Pat comes up to me and says, Pastor, that was a fantastic message. At least one person liked my message, And then she said, now my hearing aid wasn't working, so I couldn't hear it, but I could tell it was an excellent, excellent message. You know, Pat was like that. She was just this big encourager of mine. Uh, She's, you know, passed away in recent years, but there's been so many of you who have been Pats in my life who have been like that, just encouraging me on. And to be honest, if it wasn't for that, 
I don't know if I'd still be in this role. I mean, this is a tough role at times, okay? And it's been this church, this, the encouragement I've received uh, from this church over the years that's kept me uh, going. Sometimes, you know, we kind of look at the pastor as the one who's always encouraging and the one who's always shaping the congregation and helping. But I got to be honest, some, that, that also goes the other way. This congregation has helped shape me and has helped lead me in some ways. And, and so it goes both ways, And that's kind of true about our church. We are a church that likes to encourage each other. In fact, I I hear this often. When we do membership classes and new people come into our church, one of the marks of Edinburgh Church, we hear this over and over that people notice. They say, this is a friendly, a friendly church. People just notice that. People are friendly here. Uh, We we are a church that likes to, to be together. Not every church can say that. In fact, usually when we have church events outside of just Sunday mornings, we usually see pretty decent turnouts, okay? We're not just a church that loves each other. We're a church that likes each other and likes to be around each other. We really do see ourselves as a family. Never been, you know, passionate about being a big church or anything like that. We have been passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus. We've been passionate about seeing life's transformed and entering in to this thing we call the kingdom of, 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 of God. And friends, the reason for this, the reason we are the church we are, it, it really comes down to one thing. We are a church that believes in the word of God. We're a church that stands on this book. And we try to let this book shape the way we live. We don't always do it perfectly, but we try. We try to use this book as our guide, shaping how we love each other, how we encourage each other, and encouraging us in the hope that we have in our amazing God. We learn about our God through this book. Well, in Ephesians 6, again, we've been studying the armor of God. And when we get to verse 17, Paul is going to now tell us about our weapon. Everything else has been defense. Paul's now going to tell us about our weapon. And he says this. He says, take the helmet of salvation, which we talked briefly about last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay. So I want you to notice something. There is the sword of the Spirit, which a weapon. He connects it to the Spirit. We think the Holy Spirit. But he also says it's the word of God. So do you see this interesting link, this connection between Holy Spirit and Scripture, word of God? Why is that? Why is there a link? Well, if you go back all the way to the beginning, um, you know, of creation, of what the Bible teaches, God speaks creation into existence. This is one of the things that's unique to Judeo-Christian faith is that our God speaks creation into existence. The first thing he speaks is, right, light. Let there be light, and there's life, or light. And and then we're we're told, of course, there's, um, you know, he creates the skies and land and all that. But then what does he do? He, 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 you know, creates the physical, yes, the sun, the moon, stars, all that. But then he creates animal life and eventually human life. He creates the first man, Adam, eventually Eve, as well, and breathes life into the first man. 
And so we see that God is a God who speaks primarily two things. You can really boil it down to, to two things. He speaks light and life. When God speaks, two things happen. Light happens and life happens. And, and, and maybe you've never thought about this, but when you, when you speak, when you talk, notice something happens. You breathe. Really, you, I don't know if it's possible to talk without breathing. And really, speaking is just shaping your breath. You know, you're, to, to communicate something you want to say, it, it has to come from breath. And so, in other words, in, in our words is our, our breath. When God speaks, we catch his breath in his words, what we could also call his, his spirit. In fact, in the, the New Testament, in the Greek, uh, breath and spirit are one word. It's the same idea. And so what I'm saying here is that in God's word, we catch his spirit. In God's word, we catch his breath. That's why Paul says there's a connection here between sort of the spirit and the word of God. And when we catch that spirit through God's word, we get light and we get life inside of us. And I don't know about you, um, <laughs> I need light and I need life, right, in, 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 in my life. So this is why Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is going to be our way of getting light and life and pushing back that darkness. Many years ago, I was watching some show, and um, it's one of those shows where they interview people. I don't know if it was 60 Minutes, but some show like that. And they were interviewing a satanic high priest. And it just kind of caught my attention. Part of me wanted to turn it, but I just couldn't help but be interested. Why are they interviewing this, this guy? And how do you find yourself, right? The question, how do you end up in a position like that? And uh, he apparently had grown up in a home with parents that dabbled in that stuff. So he just, one thing led to another, and he finds himself becoming the satanic high priest, okay? And so they asked him this question. They said, what is your goal? What is the goal of all this? And it was interesting what he said. He said, our goal is to find the negative in everything. It's to point people to the negative, to find the negative. He said, in fact, we take positive things and we try to turn it and find the negative in it. Which then led to the next question. Why in the world would you want to do that? And what he said, I think, is a lesson for us. He said, because we believe that negativity attracts evil spirits. Negativity attracts evil spirits. And what I want to suggest to us this morning just as they believe uh, that negativity attracts evil spirits, and I, I think there's, there is some truth to that. In the same way, when we speak the word of God and we learn how to look at the negative but find the positive through what God's word teaches us and the hope we have in our Lord, it actually attracts God. And there we find his spirit. Because his spirit is linked to his word. And so some of us this morning, we need a little more God in our life. We need a little bit more of his spirit bringing light and life into our life. How do we do that? We do that through the word of God. 
This is where you will find the spirit of God is in his word, his breath, giving us light and breathing life into us. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you open up the book of Isaiah. You start in chapter 1. It kind of starts off a little bleak. Because over and over what you read about in the first few chapters is about how Israel has rebelled from God. And you fast forward and get into, uh, by chapter 3, starting to talk strongly about um, the judgment that's going to come on them, okay? Uh, in, 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 in verse um, 4 and 5, you actually read about God's woes and judgment to the people. But if we skip from chapter 5 to 7, something very interesting happens. All of a sudden, chapter 7, we start hearing about the signs of Emmanuel and this promise that one is going to come who's going to save and is going to re redeem. And you move on in chapter 8, uh, it even talks about the darkness turning into light for Israel. And so there's just kind of a change. There's kind of a change from the opening chapters up to 5 to when you get into chapter 7. And the hope that Isaiah starts to uh, prophesy to the, to the people. So what happens? Well, what happens is chapter 6. And in chapter 6 is where we, is where Isaiah gets a vision of the throne room of God. He gets a picture, a vision of God's throne room. And in fact, let me read it for us in, in verse 1. Isaiah 6.1 just says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Maybe you've sometimes wondered, what does that mean? The train of his robe fills the temple. Well, back in those times, um, when a king conquered another kingdom, when a king conquered another king, what that king would do is tear off a part of the conquered king's robe, okay, the defeated king's robe, and then he would take that and attach it to his own robe. Okay? So if you saw a king and he had a really short robe, what that meant is he hadn't won many battles, if any. But if you saw a king who had a long robe, that meant that king had won multiple battles and had never been defeated. The more battles he won, the longer the train of his robe got. Well, when Isaiah sees God in his throne room, what does it say? The throne room is filled with the train of God's robe. And everywhere Isaiah looks, he sees these battles that God has won. In other words, what this vision is telling Isaiah is that our God is a God of victory. Do you believe that, church? Our God is a God of victory. He wins every battle he enters into. He's never lost. He never will. He is a God of victory. Okay? And this changes Isaiah's even letter. I mean, we see a shift happening from chapter 5 into chapter 7. Why? Because he gets a vision of this God of victory. Some of you <laughs> need a chapter 6 
okay, in, 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 in your life. and need to be reminded that this is a God who can give us victory. King David was um, kind of have an example at a time in his life where he's, he, he, he was generally a pretty faith-filled person. You read about that in the Psalms, right? You see so many times he just he trusted in God and he believed in God. He had been promised he was going to become king, but he hadn't officially been, become king yet. And some of you will remember King Saul, the king at the time, becomes jealous of David and tries to have David put to death. So he's constantly trying to track David down and have David killed. And at one point, David actually loses heart and David starts to get pretty negative and, and actually starts to say, like, I'm going to die. King, like, Saul's going to kill me. And he loses hope and, and he loses faith. And when that happens, when he allows that negativity kind of comes in, it's interesting because the Amalekites then come in while David and his ragtag army are away. The Amalekites come in and kidnap David's and these men's children and wives and, and, and carry it off. And, and, and so David's army, even at this point, it gets so bad, they get mad at David and says they almost stone him to death. But then classic David begins to believe, he remembers, he, he serves a God of victory. What does he need? He needs a word. He needs a word. He needs a fighter verse. He needs something to remind him that this God is a God who can give him victory. So he goes and he actually sees the priest, we're told, and inquires of God. First Samuel 38, we read, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? It's asking God this. And God says, pursue them. <laughs> you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. In other words, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to help you. And so David gets his men. He, he, they take, you know, uh, rallies them and they go out and they end up winning all of their wives and children back along with spoil that we're told is so much they have to, they have to share it with others. David needed a word. And I bet some of us come in here today and, and you just, you need a fire verse. You need a word from God. I know when we talk about God being a God of victory, some of you, you're like, really? Because I'm coming in and I'm struggling. It might be a, you know, a health issue, a financial issue. It could be a relational issue, a, a marriage issue, trying to raise your kids not knowing what to do. And it seems like, you, you, it seems like you're losing. It, it seems like life is just really, really hard. But here's what we need to be reminded of. Friends, victory is not avoiding the battle. Victory is God doing something good in and through the battle. In other words, victory is God taking the negative and turning it into something positive in your life. We all go through the battles. Many Christians think it's about avoiding the battle. It's, I shouldn't, if I, I shouldn't have to go into the battle. Well, let me ask you this. If you didn't ever have to go into the battle and deal with things where it looks bleak and it's hard, why would you need faith? You say, how can God bring victory to his name and glory to himself if we're never in the battle for him to bring victory and glory to himself. Victory is not avoiding the battle. It's about God taking the negative and then turning it into something good in and through the battle. 
And church, we are to remind each other of this. It's interesting um, how today we give people names. Back in the Old Testament times, they would oftentimes name their kids something that reminded them of God. Something that told them about God, who his character was, or something God had done for them. We don't really do that anymore, right? We name our kids just because we like the name, or uh, it maybe has some meaning and we like the meaning, but not necessarily connected with God. Sometimes we just name our kids something we like, which is why I almost named our son Chicken Nugget, okay? Um, (laughs) Danielle took us in a different direction, but... You know, we just kind of, we don't think about names the same way. Back then, it was very important what you named your child. It had a way of pointing people to God. So when you came to the church of the day, which would be the temple of the day, you know, you'd pull up in the parking lot, similar if you do. I don't know if they'd have a chariot or a donkey. And you might come in in a bad place, you know, griping about grass prices. Anybody? Just seeing if you guys... Seeing if you guys were awake on that one. That one was a ringer in first service. I don't. You come in, and, and the first person you're going to run into is the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper, think of the person who greets you at the door, the person serving you coffee when you come, answering any questions you have. This was the gatekeeper. And they might have the name like Jehiah. And, and the name Jehiah means God is alive. So you meet someone whose name means God is alive. Church, can we say it? God is alive. Yeah, that was good. Then you hear music playing similar to what you would hear, you know, when you come into this place on a, on a Sunday morning. And the worship team and the worship leader might have the name Levi as So our worship leader has the name Levi, and it actually means together, and it's the idea, or united, the idea that God unites. And so you're reminded God is a God who unites and brings people together. Then the preacher might get up, and his name might be Jezekiel, okay? This was a name of the day, and this one means God is strong. Then you have the keeper of the ark and after the service and someone who would have to watch over this very holy um, uh, you know, thing that God had given Israel. And his name might be Jedidiah, which means God is my friend. Then you have the priest who's out there ministering to people and praying with people. His name might be Jediah, which means God knows everything. Then you have just the lay people, the volunteers, the people out there filling in and serving, children's ministry, whatnot, whatever's going on. And this person's name might be Johanna. And her name means God is gracious. And then you have the keeper of the storehouse. This is where you would go after the service to give your tithe and your offering. And his name might be Johanathan, where we get the name Jonathan. And it means God will provide. So from the time you come into church to the time you would leave church, you would be reminded of one thing. Your God is a God of victory. Your God is a God who is alive. Your God is a God who unites and is still uniting people to this day. Your God is a God who is strong. Your God is your friend. Your God knows all things. Your God is gracious when you need grace, and your God will provide. And church, this is what we got to be reminded. We might not have names like that back in the Old Testament, 
But through each other and the words we say to each other and how we love each other, we are to be constantly reminding of each other, no matter what our ministry is, no matter whether it's preaching, it's worship, no matter whether it's our mission, you know, work doing in other countries or our outreach like Rock the Block and Trunk, the tr- trunk or Treat, whether it's our children's ministry down at the other end of the building, whatever it is, we are to be reminding each other of one primary thing, which is that our God is a God of victory. And he can take the negative and turn it into a positive in each one of our life. And so I I end with this this story, okay, to kind of illustrate this. I, uh, it wasn't too long ago we were celebrating someone's birthday here at the church, someone on staff. We were having our staff meeting in the coffee shop we're going to celebrate this birthday and something, you know, because I'm the lead pastor, I don't know why they still do this. It kind of looked to me to start the happy birthday song. I'm not the worship leader. They look to me to do this. And I am, guys, I've told you, I, I cannot carry, I, I don't have an ear for it. I don't, I'm tone deaf, all right? So, but on this occasion, there was no one there to help out. So I start singing to lead us. And I was like in a minor key. Okay, it was depressing. This poor birthday of this, you know, person we're celebrating. Like, just you know, rather you didn't, you know. And I'm seeing, and I start seeing even the staff kind of looking at each other pretty quickly, like, oh boy. But this is what our staff did, because our staff can sing. We have a lot of people on staff actually who are who, who, who pretty good singing. What they did is they just went into the right note. They went into the right key. I was in the wrong key. They just went to the right key. And what do you think happened? As they started singing in the right key, all of a sudden I adjusted from the key I was in to the key that they were in. And we all found ourselves singing in the right key. Some of us come in here today and you are in the wrong key. We come in sometimes and we're beat up by this world. We're beat up by the things that we see happening out there. We're beat up by things happening in our own life, in our own families. But when we come into this place, when we gather as the church, we are not to go into the negative. We are not to start focusing on the negative. We are to remind each other that we serve a God of victory who can take whatever the negative thing is in our life and turn it into something positive. Church, we are supposed to be the people singing in the right key. And when people come in here, that's what we're to be about, reminding each other through the word of God who this God of hope is when you are in the battle. Amen? Amen. So I know some of us come in here today and we, we need some victory. And so my prayer for us this morning is, is to give us, is to pray hope for you, to pray faith that God will sustain you, but you also need to get into the word of God and start reminding yourself of what God's word has to say about this God. So if you've got a handout on your way in, you're gonna notice at the very bottom, I just gave you some examples of some fighter verses that you can read this week, that you can memorize, that you can start quoting when the darkness is pressing in on you and you just start remembering who your God is. Maybe you're feeling guilty or ashamed for something and you need to remind yourself that Jesus went to the cross for you and shed his blood and gave his life so that we could read Romans 8.1 which says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I need to claim that. Some of you need to claim that this morning, amen? No condemnation. 
Some of you forget that, you know, it might be rough and you're struggling and you don't see a lot of spiritual growth in your life right now, but you forgot that Philippians 1.6 says, we can be confident of this, that God has started a good work in us and he's going to carry it on to completion. Do you believe that? Meaning you are a work in progress. That's okay. That's what a fighter verse will remind you of. So you stay in there. You keep the faith. Whatever that is, I gave you some examples. Find your fighter verse, church, and let's be a church that reminds each other the victory we have through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for us. Here's what I want to do. Can I, can I just have a stand up? Close by having a stand. Stretch if you need to stretch before we worship here, but I want to pray this faith over us this morning. So just bow your heads with me. Some of us come in here today, we need the first victory. We need the ultimate victory. We need (laughs) to receive, Jesus, what you've done for us. You are the ultimate victorious God who has conquered all other beings and powers out there. You died on a cross, but you were resurrected. Some of us need to receive the work you've done for us. We can take back our life from the devil and those dark forces. So you can't have my soul. I belong to Jesus. If that's you, you just say, you just receive it. God, I know I've done things that aren't right. I know I haven't followed you. I know I've sinned, but I want to turn from that. I want to receive the sacrifice that Christ has made for my life so that I can be a child of the most high God and walk in this victory. Take my soul back from the devil. And others of us come in here, Lord. We've received that, but we find ourselves in the middle of some battle and some kind of stronghold in our life that we can't just seem to get past or some kind of struggle. And I just want to pray right now, any stronghold, any addiction, anything keeping us back from you, Lord, I want to pray that it will be broken in the powerful name of Jesus Christ right now. If there's anyone who needs to be washed and feel clean again, I want to pray that by your blood, Jesus, we would be washed and clean in your name, Jesus. I know there's people who come in here and they're actually sick because of some spiritual reason. I'm going to tell that spirit, whatever it is, to leave in the name of Jesus and never come back. And God, I'm going to ask for healing to come on this church and to bring supernatural healing to our bodies, restoration to our bodies. There's people who come in here and they're lacking financially. They're lacking things that they need. God, you are a God of provision. Will you provide for us in the name of Jesus? We're going to ask that by your Holy Spirit. God, there's some of us who come in here and our families are broken and are a mess, marriages that are struggling, kids that aren't walking with you. We're going to pray that every marriage will be restored and united in the name of Jesus this morning. There will be a turning from darkness. There will be a repentance and there will be a humbling that draws us closer to one another. We pray for those kids who have turned away from you, God. I'm going to pray that they come back to the faith that they grew up in the name of Jesus. You are a God of victory, Lord. So give us patience and give us faith as we wait on you to see how you are going to take a negative and turn it into something positive. Help us to walk in that truth this week, we ask in your name. And all God's people said, amen.